0: Week eleven of the National Football League season is here. Thank you for giving me some time today, and welcome to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. If this is your first time spending time with me on this uh, format, welcome on board. This is pretty much how they go. On Thursdays, when we drop on Thursdays, that's the that's the podcast lingo. If you're unfamiliar, if you're among the uninitiated, we drop the pod shortly before noon every. Uh, boy, that was broadcasting every Thursday afternoon. We drop, and uh, usually on Mondays. Now, when the Bears have Monday or Thursday night games, that changes things because I want to have immediate reaction to what your local heroes did the previous evening or afternoon but uh, we're pretty much free of those the rest of the uh, rest of the calendar uh with the exception of thanksgiving i assume most of you have plans for thanksgiving and probably won't be rushing to your phone or your laptop to hear a podcast when you're supposed to be spending time in the bosom of the home with loved ones and friends being thankful. Thankful for the Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions continuing their longstanding but completely unnecessary tradition of playing on Turkey Day. We don't have that this year. We got a good Thursday nighter tonight to lift the lid on Week 11. There's Mackie Speak 101 and it's Green Bay and Tennessee. I'm ready for for Green Bay to get under the spotlight and get on the national stage. This is good for the Packers on the heels of their surprising win over Dallas at Lambeau this past Sunday. Uh, They put a lot of points on the board against one of the best defenses. Many think the best defense in the NFL in Dallas. I, I think there is a little bit, more that remains to be seen on this Cowboys team before we anoint them the best shot at dumping Philadelphia if in fact you still are on Phillies bandwagon after their loss to Washington on Monday Night Football. More on that in a second, but Dallas has been given a lot of credit defensively and to a large degree it's been earned. However, I do have a shift in my way of thinking on the defensive player of the year award. The favorite remains Micah Parsons of the Cowboys, but the second year linebacker has been in a little bit of slump and uh, in a little bit of a slump. And I'll get to that after I get to the bears and the Atlanta Falcons. But anyway, welcoming week 11 and those of you who've been regulars, thank you. And if you've told buddies, about the podcast thank you as well it's easy to do and it's absolutely free and if you subscribe if you haven't done so already you get notification as to when the podcast is ready to go and get to it at your convenience this is as close to radio as as I get because this is just my voice my weekly terrestrial show on WJOB and Hammond is also uh, a television product on an app called Jed TV Um, but this is not video. This is, this is as close to terrestrial as I can get. This is just you and me. And it's not as intimate. I didn't feel early on because it's not live. However, you choose when you want to hear it. So maybe in some ways it's even more uh, intimate than doing standard traditional over the air radio. I'm trying to grow as a podcaster, always welcome your suggestions on how, I can accomplish that. Whether you get to me uh, on Facebook or on Twitter at Danny Mac show, your suggestions are, are welcomed and often put into, put into uh practice. That's been the case over the years is I've done these little sports gab fests and it's going to be the bears and Atlanta Sunday at noon in Atlanta. And Justin Fields spoke Wednesday as he does each and every week you have heard the expression, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And I don't know who came up with that colloquialism, but I agree with it. I believe it to be 100% true. Look at any U.S. president uh, four years after he was uh, you know, elected into office, and you will see a lot of gray hairs and baggy eyes and wrinkled skin from the sleepless nights because of the the taxing nature of the job. And the same can be said for guys who are NFL head coaches. And uh, if you're an NFL star and you happen to be on the team that leads the league in rushing and you're a big part of that heavy are the legs of the quarterback who leads the way ham handed segue admittedly, but uh, Justin Fields is a huge part. He's the biggest reason The Bears are number one in the league through 10 weeks running the football, and for a lot of Bears fans, that's fine because you're conditioned to seeing a team that success offensively, limited as it's been historically, largely is predicated on a team's ability to control the line of scrimmage and run the football. Now, this is not traditional, run the football, move the chains type of. This is your quarterback being a magic act in a video game. That's the difference between this one or the Bears' uh, perennial rushing leaders. Uh, In the 80s, actually more at the latter part of the 80s, after Walter Payton had retired, they were a little bit more dominant team when lined up against the rest of the league when Neil Anderson was the featured back in the post-Payton era. I backed away from the microphone to not pop those peas, Adam Delavitt. And uh, thinking of Adam Delavitt and his wife Lizzie this week as they incurred a personal uh, tragedy, Adam lost his mother-in-law. Uh, over the weekend, unexpectedly. So, my thoughts and warm wishes are out to to his family. The Bears leading the league in rushing yards with 2017, 2017 yards, an average of a two hundred one point seven yards per game, an average yards per rush of five point six. They are running away, pun intended, in hiding from the second-best rushing team in the league, and that's Baltimore, which is averaging 168 par- yards per game. The rejuvenated Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants, surprisingly 7-2, and our third uh, at 164 yards per tilt. Now, rushing titles often do not translate to success. I go back only to last year when the team's... Um, we one, two, and three. It went Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Baltimore. Philadelphia was a 9-8 and team, which lost its wild card game to the Buccaneers. The Colts missed the postseason, stumbling in Weeks 17 at home against the Raiders, losing there, and losing on the road at Jacksonville because they couldn't run the football. It's difficult to win consistently in the NFL if you don't have a passing attack. And uh, the number three team, the Ravens last year, finished last in their division, 8-9. and You don't see that out of a John Harbaugh team very often, and they have bounced back largely because of the magic of Lamar Jackson and what he can do running the football as much as throwing it. Now, Jackson has more skins on the wall as a passer, and by a long shot than does Justin Fields, which is why as exciting as Fields is when he makes the decision, I'm going, there is inconsistent throwing the football, and he's not going to get better if they don't dial up more than 20 throws, 20-22 throws a game each week. Fields has run 62 times in the Bears' last five games. That's more than any other quarterback in the league over that stretch, and the 15th most rushing attempts of anybody in the league, last five. Wednesday, Fields told reporters he's going to taper. He's taking it a little easier in practice during the week, and that should. That is a smart practice deployed not only by football coaches, but by swim coaches and track coaches, uh, especially when a man's earning his living by running. That takes a tremendous toll on even young legs, and the best coaches know when to back off and let an athlete recover. The Bears smart enough to do that with Fields this week. Let him wear sweatpants and just run. He doesn't have to prove it anymore on Sundays that he is a capable runner. You don't have to go out and make this man crazy during the week by working his ass off. Let him work on his timing with his wide receivers. Let's find a way for the Bears. And when I say let's, if you're on the Bears, you're trying to find a way to get Chase Claypool, not Clay Chasepool, some some targets and get him involved in the offense. He played in only 19 snaps this past Sunday. If you heard my podcast Monday morning, you know that was one of the biggest negatives I had against the Bears uh, and they're lost to the Lions. It just and it's a bad loss. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how many guys want to have moral victory parties. Uh, I understood it against the Dolphins. I understood it when they put up points against the vaunted Dallas defense um, just a couple weeks ago. But you can't be happy with just an offensive performance that was impressive against the Lions when you had a 14-point fourth-quarter lead and the ball. And you pissed it away. That's not cause for a trip to Dairy Queen. Leave that to the high school level uh, for effort. You don't uh, you don't reward that. And it's an Atlanta team this week that defends the run okay. The Falcons are not a great team at four and a six by any stretch. They've allowed two hundred and fifty points on the season, and that's more even than the Bears have allowed. The Bears right behind the Falcons in points against this year with 247. Falcons opponents succeed on third down almost 50% of the time, and that's good news for a Bears team that is trending in a in a forward direction on third down conversions largely this past weekend because they put themselves In short and manageable situations, regularly the Bears were third and two, third and four. And with a guy who's as explosive as Fields, you can call runs and and feel pretty confident they're going to keep the chains moving. The Falcons defensively are led by Grady Jarrett. Now, this is not a guy who has a household name. and Even fantasy players don't know who he is because he's an interior defensive lineman. But he's a pretty well decorated player. And I think among the league's most unheralded defensive linemen, a defensive lineman uh, in the Super Bowl just five years ago, when his team is most noted for blowing a 25 point lead when Dan Quinn's Falcons lost to the Buccaneers despite leading 28 3, the 28 3 game, as I discussed uh, several weeks ago. He tied uh Jarrett tied Reggie White's Super Bowl record three sacks in one game of Tom Brady, who was well protected most of the season. Jarrett got him three times in SB 52. And let's start using the numerals. My executive producer Sam Michael and I agree. It's time to forget the Roman numerals. Just go once you got past XXV, 25. It became too hard to do math on it, okay? Okay, X, X, that's 20, and the V is five more, and I, 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 that's 20. Stop it already. Let's stop using the Roman numerals, and let's go with the standard numerical system. Digits 5-7 coming up this year. Jared, as I mentioned, the big Coke machine, run-stuffing defensive tackle, that's what he does best, yet he still leads this team in sacks this year with four and a half on the season. Uh, Atlanta, as I mentioned, okay against the, the pass. When Atlanta has the ball, um, their, their success is more predicated on their rushing than it is their passing. I don't know where you are on Marcus Mariota, but I've never been impressed. I've never been on board with Mariota. He was a great college player. It hasn't translated for him, and that's why he's bounced around a lot early in his career. He's still a very young man. But he does nothing for me as a passer. Uh this year he's completing fewer than 62% of his passes. That's not gonna cut it in this NFL. Three steps and fire. That you can't complete only sixty-two percent or or less than that, obviously, and be considered seriously as as an NFL passer. You can't do it in this era, Mike Singletary. He's got an 89.9 rating on the season, 12 touchdown passes against seven interceptions. The rookie Drake London is is emerging as his go-to guy when they have success. It's not been a dramatically successful year for the tight end Kyle Pitts, number eight. Much more was expected out of him uh, than what he's delivered this year. And I thought tight ends matched up well against Bears defenders who have been challenged against the throw this year especially at the slot corner position where they have a lot of inexperience and first-year players like Kyler Gordon trying to earn their NFL keep and Gordon has done okay this year but I, I thought the Dolphins just two weeks ago matched up very well there and Mike Gasecki caught only one pass on the day uh against the Bears and it was a, a shorty now the, they they had a drop Uh, or a bad pass late in the game by Tua that would have gone to a tight end and given the Dolphins a chance to pull away that was uh, just awfully thrown. But the tight end's not a factor, so maybe the Bears will do just fine against Kyle Pitts. If I have him in fantasy, I'm playing him, and I still believe you can throw the ball against this Bears defense because they don't rush the passer well. They only had a couple of sacks of the not-very-agile Jared Goff this past week in the stunning loss to Detroit. So, why would I believe they're going to defend Marcus Mariota any better? That's an area where the Bears have completely whiffed. Uh, Ryan Poles, the GM, has got to step up in the offense, uh, in the offseason, and find guys who put the quarterbacks horizontal or they won't be any better defensively next year. You don't take the ball away in this league without pressuring the quarterback. You can take it away from him. You can force him to throw it into a tight window where he doesn't really have anybody. You can have a batted ball at the line of scrimmage that gets picked. Lots of ways you can tear the opposition's ass apart if you can can pressure the quarterback. Without that, there's no point. There's no point in not being able to throw the football or not being able to get after the opposing quarterback. Why even bother? You're a pretender if you can't do those two things. It goes back to the late, great Doug Buffon's three keys to victory. Number one was run the football, and that has changed in terms of the way you run the football. It doesn't have to just be running backs Uh, in, in an era gone by. When Doug played, it was one running back. Then it became the running back by committee. Now it's become running back by committee, often spearheaded by your quarterback. Two of the best three teams in the league running the football, as I mentioned, their best rushers, their quarterback, the number one Bears and the number three Ravens. I'm sorry, number two Ravens, 168 yards per. That's Lammy Jackson, Lamar Jackson, who gets that done. Cordero Patterson, uh, still very impressive and a key part of uh, what the Falcons do running the football. But he's not getting the lion's share of uh, of the work there. Tyler Algierer is uh, like Dan or of the Tribune, is, uh, is getting the bulk of their work. He's their leading rusher with 443 yards. Patterson is averaging 5.5 yards per carry, and he has scored five touchdowns. Just a goddamn good football player, Cordell Patterson. And I thought it was silly the Bears didn't find a way to lock him up. Will he be an NFL player when the Bears are good next? I doubt it. I doubt he'll be as productive. You hit 26, they start to look to replace you, and he's on the wrong side of it right now. But uh, there's a lot of things he does well. He can play running back. He can play receiver if you needed to him to. You want to put him in the slot. He's good there, and he earned his keep in the NFL by being a kick-ass dude on the special teams. I have a lot of respect for Cordero Patterson's NFL career. Even though nobody really has given him a chance to stick, maybe Atlanta will be that uh, that final resting spot. Pardon the expression, uh, but the Bears are a three and a half point underdog. I love them this week, getting three and a half, I, largely because I don't respect the Falcons this year or historically. It's a trashy franchise. It's never really turned me on. I don't know if you've ever been engorged by a Falcons football team. Their best one. Was their their team that represented the NFC in Super Bowl Thirty Two? See, even when you just think of digits, you get confused these days. It was uh, it was Denver winning its first of two in back to back fashion under Elway. That was the Super Bowl in Miami when Falcon safety Eugene Robinson was arrested the night before the game for soliciting a prostitute. Uh, wound up being an undercover Miami cop. It what's what's funny about that is that night he won the Bart Star Award the league gives annually for citizenship. And then he goes out and finds a hook. Hey, nice going, Eugene Robinson. And Joe Kane, who used to play linebacker for the Bears and was a teammate of of Jeannie Rob, as he called him. Eugene Robinson when they were in Seattle told me Mac, he wasn't uh he wasn't paying her to come to have sex with him. He's paying her to leave. Because he he had that gift, I guess when they were in Seattle together, all teammates would leave the shower when Genie Rob the King would walk in to wash his manroot because it was quite impressive. From what I was told, I never had a chance to to glimpse it. The Bears on the money line are a gutsy play, but I think I'm going to make it. They're plus one forty five at Bet Rivers this morning. Bears overs are hot lately. Who knew we would see that? Historically, maybe one of the worst offenses in the league over time. I, I think points, especially in the last 20 years, have been incredibly hard to come by, even during Jay Cutler's run. I refreshed myself on that this morning. You realize Cutler didn't even set the single season record for passing yards when he was with the Bears in a much more throw it first era He came up a little bit shy of what Eric Kramer accomplished in Chicago in 95 and also in the touchdowns per season. Kramer threw 29 that year. Cutler's best year in Chicago was 28. Cutler, it took him six years in a Bears uniform to lead the league in something. You want to know what it was? It was picks with 18. That's Jay Cutler your franchise quarterback. Thank you very much, Cherry Angelo. Shock in the world in March of 09. And I thought it was probably the right thing to do, even though I wasn't as, as on board as what everybody in Chicago thought at the time. Rick Morrissey, of all people in the Tribune, doth protest the Angelo uh, trade, saying, you know, why would this team, Denver, give up on a guy who's so young at that position? He might be a bag. Guess what? Morrissey was right, and I was right, but I was between gigs, as uh, often has been the case. So I had no forum to to say that other than social media, which I didn't believe at the time was as powerful as it ultimately has become. So I was late to the party on that, not the first party to which I was late. I'm going over in Chicago and Atlanta. The total is forty eight and a half. I confidently did it against Detroit and the Lions which had way too much time to let Goff run around and not knock him on his ass, were capable of putting points on the board, and I know they needed their defense to do it. The Jeff Okuda pick six of Fields in the fourth quarter that prompted the turnaround. That was the difference in the game. While Fields answered and the Bears regained the lead, something something happened uh, on that exchange of events. So I'm giving the Bears the opportunity to show me again that they're a points machine. I'm trusting them to do that, and I'm trusting Atlanta to at least put 17 on the board, and that thing goes over at 48-and-a-half. So maybe there's my uh, my triple. Maybe there's my – because you know how I like to do the staggered three-team parlay, take a noon game, take a 325 game, and then uh, have that Sunday nighter without ever having to stroke a key or pick up the phone, you're invested big if you go two for two in your night. I don't like the night game this week, Chiefs and Chargers. Chiefs a six-point favorite, but maybe I'll just do all three of them in one game. Take the Bears on the money line, take the over, and uh, might as well take him getting three and a half if you think they're going to be a good money line play. Uh, are you a Jeff Saturday disciple as I quickly skim around the league? Jeff Saturday embarrassed the coaching profession this past weekend by coming off of the couch in uh, in current jargon to coach an NFL team, and then he coached it to victory. The Colts upset the Las Vegas Raiders this past Sunday, and if you're a leader of men, you have a puncher's chance of succeeding long-term. but. The question becomes, if Saturday earns a chance during the remainder of this regular season to keep the job for Jimmy Ursay, you're then entrusting him to find the right guys to do the X's and O's experience, the scouting experience that he only has touched on as a player. I don't undervalue what he gained in 14 years of NFL experience for a very successful Indianapolis offense as their center. And captain, I don't undervalue that. I have a lot of respect for that. I don't dismiss it. And I think often we exaggerate and overvalue how many hours coaches put in. It doesn't work for a lot of them. There was no head coach who worked harder in his tenure than Jeff Hazlitt did in New Orleans. And on Sundays, the always at the office Hazlitt was a peanut head and didn't last very long. As a head coach, one of my favorite Steve Spurrier quotes over the years when he was with the then Washington Redskins and Spurrier was was criticized largely as a college coach for being as interested in getting out to the driving range after practice as he was talking to his players about how they practiced. He didn't earn the nickname sticks for his golf clubs. That uh, phrase has sort of lost its uh, its life in American uh, lingo. But uh, nonetheless, he was a guy who was criticized for being more of a golfer than a head football coach. And he said, well, Jim Hazlitt gets to the office at four in the morning every day. How's that working for him? God bless you, Steve Spurrier. So maybe Jeff Saturday uh, goes on a roll. It won't be this week. Man, the Eagles are going to be pissed. The Eagles get thumped on Monday Night Football. Thumping is an exaggeration. They they performed well in parts and showed you why Jalen Hurts is a legitimate MVP candidate. Nonetheless, I love Philadelphia laying six and a half against Indy this coming Sunday. The Washington Commanders, after the win over Philly in Philly, have made themselves a road favorite over the Houston Texans. Now, maybe they would have been anyway. Uh, Houston's obviously among the the worst in the league. Their record indicates that they're what one seven and one, I think, or one eight and one. They're the leaders to pick first in the upcoming NFL draft. Washington's now five and five. They're three and two on the road. They stopped the run. And that's all Houston does well offensively with the rookie, Damian Pierce. I, I don't see this, this being a, an easy game for Washington. Maybe the commanders kick their ass and Tyler, uh, Taylor Heineke has a great day. You, you kidding me? Lay three and a half with the Washington commanders on the road. You're out of your effing mind. Other NFL news this week. Deshaun Watson returned to practice Wednesday for the Cleveland Browns, which paid him $230 million when they made the deal for him. He's eligible to play in week 13, and where would that game be? It would be in Houston. Oh, my goodness. What a media spectacle that's going to be if they announce him as the starter in that game. He's supposed to take snaps with the first-team offense. Now, Jacoby Brissett has done okay to hold down the fort, but they're not a winning team. They're 3-6, and so I assume when you invest that kind of money, you give the ball to Deshaun Watson as soon as you feel he is ready to play. Uh, That's something to be looking at down the road. The Lions and Giants play this weekend out east, um, and it's a reunion for former... Miami Dolphin assistant coaches Brian Dable and Dan Campbell. They were on Tony Sperano's staff at Miami together in 2013. In fact, it was Dable who was the offensive coordinator who interviewed Campbell for the tight ends job in Miami. Campbell talked, I'm sorry, Dable talked about that first meeting earlier this week. And it's no surprise to learn Dan Campbell in the interview, was acting like a complete idiot, throwing chairs and punching walls and going through his stance and progressions and reads and just acting like a maniac. He was in the weight room his first day on the job at 5.30 in the morning doing squats and power cleans. How has that worked for Dan Campbell? To be the leader by example, I'll show you grit. I'll get in the weight room. He's 6'19 and 1 in his second year as Lions headmaster. And the win over the Bears this past Sunday was the first road victory in his career as a head coach. It's uh, it's only a year and a half in. But that's the first time the Lions have won on the road. Do they do it again this week against the Giants? Hell no. The Giants should run all over Detroit. I don't love the Giants really as a favorite. But it's only three. If it were three and a half or higher, I'd say no. But I'm inclined to take the Giants this week because of Saquon Barkley, because of the Lions' inability to stop the run. Uh, New York is 7-2, and two, one game behind the Eagles after Philly got tripped by Washington this past Monday night. I mentioned up top the odds have changed for postseason awards. I want to talk more than anything about the Defensive Player of the Year. The MVP odds changed a lot over the weekend. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who went into Week 10 at 2-1, to one, is now plus 130 only, so, as Mahomes continues to play consistently and post good numbers, he becomes the favorite. If you don't know the language, when you're plus 130, if you put down $100, you would win $130. Tua Iola was 11 to 1 going into last week. He's now 4 to 1 only. He's number one in passer rating with a 118.4 on the season, second in completion percentage with 71% of his passes hitting, and he's got four games with three or more touchdown passes, which ties him for second in the league. 18 touchdown passes uh, ties him for third. That's Tua at 4-1. to one. Media would like to vote for Tua. I said that last week when he was eleven to one. I didn't move on it. I'm not convinced Mahomes not going to win it, but I do like the value plays. So I still think Tua is a good return on your investment at four to one. Jalen Hurts is plus five hundred right now. I think that's still a good play. Also, Josh Allen fading six to one. He was the favorite going into the season. He's got some work to do if he's going to win this award. The comeback player of the award Saquon Barkley is now the favorite at minus 125. Geno Smith is even money. Christian McCaffrey, my flavor of last Thursday morning's pod, now is 25 to 1 as is Derrick Henry. McCaffrey and the Niners it's it's going to be tough, but I just I still think that ROI, uh return on investment is so large at 25 to 1. But Barkley is leading the league in touchdown or in uh, in rushing yards. He's got six rushing TDs to go with it. If he hangs on and wins the rushing title, he's probably going to win the award. Although I still think there are a lot of media who want to say Geno Smith is a better story because he's been in the league a lot longer. He's a journeyman, and he's never had a chance since he was a young player. But most notably, this is a media award. Because it's voted on by people who are in the know partially. Guys who cover the NFL go to a game. They interview people after the game. They sit in the press box and peck away on their laptops well after the game and they don't see every other game in the country most of them are beat writers who have one team to watch and while they may sit in front of the television on monday night to watch philadelphia lose to washington they didn't watch all those games some of the rest of us watched in front of three or four or five monitors crap you go to a crap you go to a sports bar you go watch them all now you can't study them all but you can see a little bit of of what people do. You certainly see replays of highlights, and that means you're going to see the best defensive players in the league at some point where beat reporters who vote on these things don't know necessarily. Micah Parsons, the second-year backer out of Penn State, remains the favorite at the position at minus 305. That means you have to be willing to lose $305 on a $100 wager. Second up is Nick Bosa at plus 800 Matthew Judon of the Patriots who leads the league in sacks with 11.5 is third at 10 to one Parsons can win this award on Thanksgiving the Cowboys are always at home and they've got the Giants on Thanksgiving that's a good football team that runs the ball well now, the quarterback, Daniel Jones, has, had good, has, has good escapability, but if Parsons gets him a couple of times and Barkley is held in check, that's going to bode well in the second window that day, the 325 game on Thanksgiving. Everybody is going to see that, and they hear all of the verbal fallatio being given to Parsons uh, in the national games this year. But he hasn't had a sack in two weeks. He's only had two quarterback hits in his last four games. Micah Parsons doesn't have an interception this year. I think he's only got a couple of passes defended. He had that fumble return for a touchdown against the Bears a couple of weeks ago when he when Justin Fields didn't have an interest in touching him. He leaped over him and didn't think of making contact with a player who'd recovered the hoochie. Uh, So he has had those big moments. He has had highlight real plays. But eight sacks for the season places him tied for third. And without a double digit, I'm sorry, he hasn't had more than two, two or more TFLs in a game this year. And he hasn't had more than one TFL tackle for loss in a game since week two. I need more out of my defensive player of the year. And, shit, I mean, if you're going to look at top tacklers, you got to go through a lot of names to get to Micah Parsons. If Bosa stays healthy, he has a real good shot. He's going to have enough national chances. 49ers play in the second window every weekend or almost every weekend, and they are a national draw. So Bosa will get more chances, I think, than Matthew Judon on a national stage. But Parsons has, 2 He's got that Thanksgiving date against the Giants, and they play on Christmas Eve against the Eagles. How timely. Knock Jalen Hurts on his ass. If he plays well on Thanksgiving against Barkley and the Giants, he follows it up on Christmas Eve by beating the crap out of the Eagles and everything they do offensively. That would be the exclamation point. End of story. Oh, I love this NFL. i I soak it up, and uh, my last around the league nugget is the Carolina Panthers at three and seven are ready to go back to Baker Mayfield this weekend. Mayfield hasn't started since week five when he suffered a high ankle sprain. He's been nursing that along with his bruised ego. Back to good health. This is so appropriate if you don't like Baker, Baker Mayfield. Tough sledding in Baltimore when it's cold. He's got to go to Baltimore. The Ravens are 13-point favorites. Interim coach Steve Wilkes will have Mayfield on a short leash. He's made it known this week he wants to get Sam Darnold, the former Messiah in New York with the Jets, some playing time. Ravens are 6-3. and three. They have a one-game lead on Cincinnati in the AFC North. I got to think it's a long day for Baker Mayfield. I'm not laying 13. I can't do that in an NFL game. I don't care who the opponents are. Well, I suppose if you gave me the bills against the Texans today, I would lay the 13. But uh, not in that one. Can't do it. Lastly, a rock and roll nugget. Canadian singer, songwriter, guitarist Gordon Lightfoot is celebrating his 84th birthday today. Happy birthday to Gordon Lightfoot, who is from central Ontario. Ontario covers a good chunk of a huge landmass known as Canada. He's from the central part of Ontario. He burst onto the scene in 1970 with his hit, If You Could Read My Mind, I just I just reading the song title makes me want to sing it, but I won't. I'll spare you that. Uh, in 1974, Sundown was a radio hit from Gordon Lightfoot. It's a song about his heroin addiction, even though it sounds like it's about a childhood sweetheart. Different kind of sweetheart in his case. Glad he survived it. Carefree Highway also was part of his uh, his 1974, but the big big blockbuster came in 1976 when he wrote the haunting ballad, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which is a true story about a tragic event that happened on the 10th of November in 1975, about 17 miles north-northwest of Whitefish Point, Michigan. 29 souls perished, and the church bell rang 29 times for each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald. When uh, I make my sometimes three or four times a year, I've never gone four times, three times a year trip to Canada. When you cross from Superior, Wisconsin, into that part of Minnesota, not far south of Duluth, you look out to your right when you cross the Blotnick Bridge, not the Jeff Blotnick Bridge, the Blotnick Bridge, you look to your right, and there is the bay of of Lake Superior. There is her awesomeness. There is her relentless viciousness, if you know the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald or other ships that wrecked while hauling iron ore across the Great Lakes. And I was in 06 on my way up to Cottage with uh, my buddy Jeff and his nephew, my sons. Um, and, uh, actually he's my nephew. Jeff's son is my nephew and uh, their cousin, his cousins, Van and Jack, my sons who like to go fishing. And JJ says, in this big booming voice, which he does is this character he calls loud queen. I won't get into detail as to how he arrived at loud queen, but he looks to the right at Lake Superior and he says, get your goomy. Cause that is the big lake. They call get your goomy, get your goomy. And it inspired me to Next Time I Cross, to have that song ready to go for my entry into the great state of Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. Uh, because that song is a, is a wonderful yet terribly sad ballad. And as a guy who loves to be on the water, it's, it's a nightmare many of us have. Hypothermia would be a shitty way to go because your body is paralyzed, yet you feel everything. And uh 29 dudes uh ultimately died of hypothermia or just flat out drowned on that day. So happy birthday to Canadian rocker Gordon Lightfoot. Always part of the Mackage if you catch me in a saloon. Um and it should be more part of what I do here on the podcasts, and it will be once we get past the Super Bowl. I will do more rock and roll nuggets. But anyway, I was glad to get that one in today. I hope you enjoy the 11th week of the NFL season. I want to thank Adam Delavitt, who is the big boss man, as I like to call him, at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you, Adam. And Sam Michael, my executive producer. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend enjoy the football and enjoy your families getting ready for Thanksgiving to be in the bosom of the home with loved ones. I'm Danny Mack, and for now, I'm Tail Lights. See ya.
1: Thanks for listening to the Danny Mack Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.